and thank you for joining us on The Business Advantage. I am Alicia Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. With it currently being National Athletic Training Month, it's a great time to discuss communication and networking, or more specifically, how to communicate effectively with not only athletic trainers, but also other professionals, such as coaches, physicians, administrators, or various other external stakeholders. By now, you should have an idea of what your why is for being in this profession, how to think thoroughly and communicate openly, developed your personal brand, and brainstormed ideas for marketing for that brand, and also focused on what to negotiate for yourself. So now, we need to put this into action. We are going to examine how to put to work all that you have developed for yourself in the first five podcasts today when we talk about networking. Key learning objectives. Debunking commonly held beliefs about what networking is and who networks. Understanding various types of networking and how to build your skills to develop confidence in networking. Recognize the strength of your network and the power that networking has to connect you. A network, by definition, is a connection. More specifically, business networking, according to Wikipedia, is an activity in which people meet to form business relationships to recognize, create, and act upon opportunities. It's important that we address the stigma around networking upfront right now. I'm sure when you saw the title of this podcast, you thought, oh great, an hour's worth of listening to something that gives me the total creeps. But think about networking from a science perspective. The synapses in our brain are networks. The more they are utilized and exercised, the stronger they become. Networking is nothing more than simply making connections and nurturing them over time. Networks are how almost everything around us exists, from the cloud or Wi-Fi signals to our healthcare insurance, Facebook, and what we will be discussing today, personal connections. Networking is a skill, something you can learn and become better at. Reject the idea of stuffy conference rooms with people walking around with badges on, attempting to meet and gather business cards from as many people as possible. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm not advocating for you to be inauthentic or push your agenda onto anyone who will listen. What we're covering today is how to have a real conversation when the opportunity presents itself and how to promote your profession to those who could benefit from hearing about it. Networking is a necessity. There's just no way around it. In this day, if you're not on social media, you're practically forgotten about. Similarly, if you're not attending conferences or staying active in the profession, you will find yourself falling behind in education, conversation, and social understanding of what's going on in the profession. The emphasis of National Athletic Training Month 2017 is on external stakeholders, There has been a push to communicate with your company's human resources rep, the PR department, risk management, 
and even government officials or community stakeholders. While I'm a strong proponent of all of these ideas, the truth is very few athletic trainers are going to do any of it. Why? Because they're scared. They don't know what to say. They're intimidated by talking to most other professionals outside of other athletic trainers. And if I just offended you with that statement, then you're the exception to the rule. If when I said that, it resonated, then you're not alone. We aren't taught how to have conversation with legislative officials or any other stakeholder for that matter, such as district superintendents or reps for various companies. And honestly, like so many other business skills that we are not verbose in, that we're not giving any formal education on, it's holding us back. We need to reach beyond just each other, fellow athletic trainers, and have conversations with other people. While your direct supervisor is probably a great person and someone you interact with regularly, how often do you speak with someone higher in the company or your organization? While internal marketing, speaking to each other, is valuable for self-interests, such as getting a job. External marketing is crucial to the growth and development of our profession. Creating connections, learning who someone is, and developing a relationship has far greater implications for your professional success and is perfectly within your control. Imagine that your job was on the line and While your direct supervisor, for those in the school setting, likely an athletic director, would very likely fight for your position. Imagine if you had formed a relationship with the principal or the superintendent, or for those who aren't in a school setting, whoever your boss's boss or your boss's boss's boss. You're going to have more people with more power and clout going to bat for you. But If you had never taken the time to introduce yourself or learn about who these people are, they don't know who you are, it makes it far simpler for them to see you as a line item budget instead of a person. This may seem oversimplified, but it's a perfect example of how a few small actions on your part could have a much larger impact not only in your own career, but possibly in the career of someone else. Recognizing the importance of communication is critical. Figuring out how to speak with others outside of just athletic trainers or the other people that you interact with daily is going to have a large impact on where you're able to go. Really quick, before we move any further, I want to touch on something that I see happening a lot in our profession and is just flat out detrimental and is potentially a contributor to negative connotations that are typically associated with professional networking. What I'm referring to is shaming and specifically professional shaming. Whenever you see someone who is volunteering at the district level or networking at a conference and you make a remark about them being a brown noser or just trying to get ahead, you're hurting the profession. 
People each have their own reasons for doing what they do. For some, maybe they are venturing outside of their comfort zone for the first time. For others, they're volunteering and giving in a way that they know how. Some may be trying to find a new job. Others could be looking just to make connections. Regardless of their intent, when we make snarky remarks or cut down the actions of others, we create an environment that is no longer supportive to the development and advancement of the profession. I can personally share with you that I have held two different district positions and have met my own amount of criticism as a result of it. I initially got involved because the program that I came from for my master's, Cal State Fullerton, taught me that it's a professional duty to give back to your profession. So when I saw a committee I was interested in and they were asking for help, I obliged. I served on that committee, the Committee on Practice Advancement, for two years before moving out of the area into another district, District 7. I knew that if I didn't force myself to become involved, I wouldn't ever attend this new district's meetings or force myself to go outside of my comfort zone. So I applied for a position in District 7 and have grown tremendously as a result. I've made connections, met new great people, and I just generally speaking feel welcomed in this new district. Going back to what we discussed with branding, if you are the person who always has a negative perspective, what does that say about you? I was just on Twitter last night when I saw a post from Anonymous ATC where someone was upset about the fact that others fight for us to be called the correct name, athletic trainer instead of trainer. Their position essentially was that we have much larger fights to fight, you know, compensation, third-party reimbursement, and basically that because we have other battles that in their mind were bigger problems, we shouldn't even be bothering with the fact that some people call us trainers. My response to that was we don't have to limit others' missions to advance our own. Fight for what you believe without belittling the efforts of others. Let's all try to be cognizant of when we are sitting in judgment of others and instead reflect on perhaps what those thoughts may say about us instead of the person that we're talking about. When you're building a network, it bodes well to have a positive attitude to be open-minded, and just to converse openly. None of that can be accomplished by shaming others. And let's be honest, any advocacy that any athletic trainer is doing is better than not doing anything at all. There are several ways of networking, but three primary components that make up why people network are social, learning, and exchange of services, with lots of overlap occurring between them. As we continue to clarify this topic, it's important to recognize that networking isn't always about trying to get something from someone or pursuing a conversation in an effort to achieve a specific outcome. Let's first talk about social networking. 
There's something to be said about camaraderie and relationship building when it comes to networking. I'm sure few of you feel like Facebook is a networking site, whereas you'd probably say the opposite about LinkedIn. Though when you meet someone new, you friend them on Facebook and are able to keep in touch with them, possibly strengthen your relationship and learn about each other in a social way. It probably goes without saying that social networking is extremely powerful. If you achieve enough followers, suddenly brands start sending you their products, you're asked to endorse services, and all of a sudden you have reached a a new level of celebrity simply because of how many eyes are on you. This is also valuable to anyone who enters your network as they technically then have access to everybody within your network. That's kind of the idea behind six degrees of separation, that no two people in the world are separated by more than six degrees or six different people. As influential and powerful as your network may be, the same can be said for the people who you network with. Perhaps they have someone who would be valuable to you. Social networking permits us to share in an uninhibited way. This is supposed to be an area where we can be ourselves without it being held against us, which is why it is often recommended that you keep your social media profiles private and separate from your professional ones. But this isn't just your online presence. This is during conferences when you're grabbing a beer at the local bar or chatting it up with some colleagues on your downtime. This kind of relaxed, non-judgmental networking time is a significant part of how we deepen relationships. Even if you just met someone in a professional setting and you walk straight over to the restaurant across the street to grab lunch, you're likely to have a greater impact on them and more likely to be able to call upon them when needed. Generally speaking, it's important for us to be able to share stories spend time with like-minded people, and just relax with some colleagues. This kind of networking need not be forced or uncomfortable. And so it's a great way to get conversations started with someone new if you're feeling out of your comfort zone. I know the District 8 meeting hosts a vendor social, which is a great time to approach someone who you're attempting to seek out. It's a laid back environment. Everyone is kind of buzzing around, chatting, chatting with everybody, and it's meant to encourage new interactions. If you're just starting to develop your skill of networking, social environments are a great place to start. This is also a great place for you to initiate conversations with others that aren't just athletic trainers, perhaps coaches or PTA members or parents within the booster club or various other stakeholders that might be on campus or within your organization. No, I don't mean adding them as a friend on Facebook, but rather talking with them about their day, their job, their kids, etc. If you're the athletic trainer who the only time a coach sees you, you've got bad news to deliver, you're not going to be very well liked. Instead, chat them up on the sidelines, walk with them out to, your, out to practice, wave at them from your golf cart as you're driving by. 
Another example might be your team physician. Let's say that you work at a college. Specifically, I'll give the example of my experience as a GA. We had various team physicians that would come in and see athletes. If you just treat this as a business transaction, essentially, here's athlete A, here's what the suspected injury is, we need your expertise, da 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 very just to the point, not much personal interaction, then when it comes to you needing a letter of reference or generally speaking, just to have a physician that you can call upon, I'm sure that this physician would oblige if you asked. However, imagine that you had gotten to know them a little bit better, asked about their children, talked about other sporting events, or just in general, been a little bit more vulnerable and opened up to them about what you're going through or your experience or, you know, basically just making small talk. Imagine how much easier and more comfortable for you it would be, and also for them, to then write a letter of reference for you. Not only could they speak about your professional duties, but also who you are as a person. And let's be honest, for all of us who have been asked to write a letter of recommendation from someone who maybe we don't really know very well, or we don't interact with on a friendly basis, but more just professionally, haven't you experienced kind of that when they ask you for the letter of recommendation, you're like, well, you know, I wish I knew you a little bit better. Or I mean, technically, I'm in a position to write it. But you know, I wish that we had chatted a little bit more, I knew a bit more about you. Those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about when we discuss just that kind of social networking, getting to know people, deepening the relationships. Keep all of that in mind, because you never know when you're going to need to call upon someone who is in your network to do a favor for you. The next greatest opportunity available in networking for us is learning. This can be accomplished formally or informally. Sometimes it's simply picking the brain of someone else, or it can be a formal sit-down lecture. Whether it's reading an article from the Journal of Athletic Training or chatting about the use of cupping at your spring track meet, You're networking through learning. There's a term referred to as networked learning, which according to Wikipedia is a process of developing and maintaining connections with people and information and communicating in such a way so as to support one another's learning. The central term in this definition is connections. It takes a relational stance in which learning takes place both in relation to others and in relation to learning resources. The person who wrote an article whose name is now attached to that publicized work has just networked with you, the reader. You're familiar with the names Arnheim or Starkey, because of their textbooks. But do you know who they actually are as people? You may not feel like you have networked with them, but they have networked with you. You could return that connection by introducing yourself if you were ever in their presence. The same idea applies for this podcast. You may or may not have known who I was before you listened to this, but you now know my name, You definitely know my voice and probably my company as a result of me creating this podcast. I have networked with you. I have extended my side of the relationship and it would be your responsibility 
to return that if you wanted me in your network. Perhaps you reach out to me on social media or send me an email. Then we would be networked together. Perhaps you have a skill or service that you could provide others, maybe through putting on a webinar or speaking at your state or district meeting. This is a way for you to strengthen your network, especially if part of your personal brand is wanting to be known as an educator or an expert in a certain field. The network that you build around you will be a reflection of the type of athletic trainer you are and the personal brand that you've built for yourself. Personally, I want to be seen and known for my knowledge of business and athletic training. That is what I am passionate about and what I feel that I can add to the profession. In order to be seen and known as knowledgeable in that space, I not only have to educate myself about these topics, but I should also be working in that area and actively improving the profession with my knowledge. This podcast is one example of that, but I'm also purposely networking with other athletic trainers and various stakeholders who work in this same area, and I accept speaking engagements that are targeted at this topic. As you graduate from just social networking and are potentially finding more talking points outside of just friendly topics. This is a good time to start considering including external stakeholders in your network, especially those who can find topics of which to discuss that are important to both of you. Your local legislator should be educated about who an athletic trainer is, and you're apt to do that. It doesn't have to be a long meeting or include anything outside of a strict agenda that you've put together of what to discuss. But if you get their ear, now they're part of your network. Furthermore, as you educate yourself about various topics and become more well-versed in certain areas, you will pose yourself for better conversation with external stakeholders. If you're learning about legislative action, then I'm sure that you could hold the ear of a legislator. If you're learning about advancements in orthopedic procedures, you could probably hold the, hold the ear of an orthopedic physician. I'm not here to tell you what to educate yourself on or what to pursue in your learning network. However, what I do want you to do is to use that expertise that you're developing to advocate for yourself, for your profession, and thereby grow your professional network as a result. The final and probably most uncomfortable of them all is networking through an exchange of services. This is what job hunting or general, so what do you do kind of talk falls under. I imagine that when I first said this episode was about networking, the picture you conjured up was of this kind of networking. But listen, This is only as awkward and uncomfortable as you make it. If you're confident and knowledgeable about what it is that you need from this exchange of services, things can actually go quite well. Take, for example, you know someone has a position open that either you have already applied to or plan to apply to. It doesn't have to be weird or difficult for you to simply walk up, stick your hand out, introduce yourself, 
and let them know that you have applied for their position. You can either be silent after that, forcing them to perhaps ask you a question or just simply reply with a, thanks for introducing yourself. If they don't ask further questions, perhaps you can mention, I look forward to hearing from you or would it be okay if I picked your brain for a bit? Whatever it is, you're putting yourself out there, getting out of your comfort zone, establishing a connection with someone who is likely going to be looking at your resume and likely going to be overseeing potentially the hiring committee. If you're thinking to yourself that this would just be super awkward and I would probably just be silent, then have a few rehearsed options to go into the conversation with. And I don't know, perhaps you tell them how you found the job or in an ideal world, maybe you're connected in some way. Use the network that you have to find like-minded topics to discuss with them. Don't be overzealous, take up a bunch of their time, or be assumptive. Once you've made a decent impression, stick your hand back out there and say, nice to meet you. Perhaps include your business card with that final handshake. Or let's take, for example, that there is a rep that you want to speak with about getting some product or a discount or something. Again, introduce yourself and start with what you can do for them. Hi, I'm Alicia. I own a contract athletic training company who staffs over 25 high schools and carries a database of nearly 100 athletic trainers. I'd like to speak with you about how blank product or service could be made available to my athletic trainers. Instead of starting the conversation with, hey, so how can I get a discount on that brace or sports drink or, you know, whatever it is that they're offering? Understand the value that you bring to the conversation and recognize how it benefits them. This isn't to say that you're going to get what you want, but you're going to make it tremendously less awkward and you increase your likelihood of actually getting that exchange of services when you're not just walking up and asking for something or pushing your agenda. You're actually offering something of your own as well. Just like the suggestion that I made in negotiation, Practice in the mirror if you need to build some confidence. Maybe you know that the workshop that you're attending this upcoming weekend will have someone present that you'd like to approach. Do a few test runs, have a couple conversation starters in your back pocket, and know what you're looking to get out of the connection. Rest assured though, if you're not at the exchange of services degree of networking, this is a skill that you can hone and develop. You should be able to approach anyone, common interests or not, and be able to get a conversation started. If you're already a strong networker, you don't really have shyness and or apprehensiveness in approaching people, you're, you're social and easy to talk to and never meet a stranger kind of person, then Extend your hand. That's a 
valuable and tremendous skill that not a lot of people have. And maybe that's what your special calling is, is to be able to mentor and develop others' ability to network. Because truthfully, though we may have a very strong network, it's only as valuable as the next person and the next person's. So if you can find ways to reach within the connections that you have and strengthen these abilities for others, then not only are you paying it forward, but you're increasing the visibility of your brand and our profession. Many of us don't understand the power that our network has until, of course, you need to use it. Take a moment to reflect on all the athletic trainers that you've ever come across from working every day with to meeting and passing at a conference or even just people you've read or listened to. Every single one of you now has me in your network. And I hope that if you ever had something you thought that I could help you with, that you would reach out simply by saying, Hey, I listened to your podcast and you told me to reach out. Here's what I need help with. And If you're anything like me, you forget how many impactful people you've come across or met until you need those people to write a letter of recommendation or you're looking for some heavy hitters to speak for an event that you're putting on. Please take it from me, someone who is horrible about keeping in touch. Don't just speak to people when you need something. It's best to foster these relationships on an ongoing basis so that when you need something from them, it's less awkward to ask and you're likely to get what you need. Along those same lines, make sure that you're following up after you meet someone. Again, something that I am the worst at, but honestly, I'm going to make a conscious effort to get better at after writing and delivering this podcast because who am I to preach it to others if I'm not doing it myself? But in any of the above mentioned scenarios, social, learning, exchange of services, it's super simple to just send a message for social, you know, just friend them on Facebook or Instagram. That's an acceptable form of following up for millennials. For learning environments, shoot the person an email saying, it was great attending your seminar this past weekend, or I read your article in the Journal of Athletic Training, and I wanted to let you know that your research is applicable for me. For exchange of services, if you were successful, you will likely be following up with them anyways, but in the event that you weren't successful, still email saying that it was nice to meet them and that you look forward to potentially working together in the future. I just want to say it one more time. It's only awkward if we make it so. In business, networking is one of the strongest skills that you could develop. At Advantage, I made a conscious decision early on to not do cold calling or mailers or various other types of advertising in order to get noticed. I wanted to do a really good job and let the word of mouth spread. And I'm pleased to say that just about every single client we have has come as a result of word of mouth. 
We have been referred by neighboring districts, superintendents, an athletic trainer who refers us back to her alumni high school, or an athletic director who leaves one school for another and wants continued service. I probably don't have to tell you this, but word of mouth is the holy grail when it comes to networking. The reason I don't have to tell you this is because it's human instinct to go with the person, the product, the service that was referred to us instead of the one that was sold to or pitched to us. How many of you turn to Facebook or a friend instead of Google when you need a referral for something, whether it be a new dentist or you're trying to buy buy a golf cart for your school. The truth is we rely more on the word of mouth of others than we do on our own ability to research and find out for ourselves. Think about the last time you were in a hiring position, whether it be for another athletic trainer or a landscaper. Did you not naturally lean to the person who was referred by someone you knew? You probably gave that person a shot before you even considered any other options. That is the power of networking. And quite frankly, you want to be the one on the receiving end of that consideration when you're the person applying for that job. I have a friend who is a florist. Specifically, she does florals for weddings and special events. So her work is rather seasonal. She made a conscious effort this off-season to attend one networking event per month, which is something not only did she not want to spend money on, but she was incredibly uncomfortable with. She found a buddy who was outgoing and energetic, and they pledged to attend these events together. In part, as a result of these events, she has grown her business from three weddings last year to 14 weddings this year. This is just one example of how putting yourself out there, getting beyond your own comfort zone, and establishing relationships with those outside of your current network can lend itself to what you're trying to accomplish. There's a great TED Talk on this topic. The title of it is Successful Networking, The Ultimate Guide. Here are a few quick bits that the speaker covers, though I would strongly recommend watching the full 17-minute video. First, he tells us the four key items to being a great network. One, know. I need to know who you are. Two, like. I need to actually like who you are. Three, trust. I need to trust you. And four, buy before I buy into you. Then he gives us a few golden nuggets that I've specifically saved for the end here so that you can kind of sit with them a little bit. One, be interested before being interesting. Two, it's about how you make people feel. Three, networking is about giving. I hope by now we have successfully removed all of the slimy, brown-nosing images that you perhaps had originally conjured up about networking and replaced them with positive, connection-focused ideas that elicit powerful images for you. Furthermore, I hope that after listening to this, you have changed your mind about 
other people who network, their intentions, and hopefully your own as well. We now know that there are ways to ease into networking and that we can learn to develop the skill within comfortable situations and gradually move out of our comfort zones as we become stronger at it. Remember, this should fall within the personal brand that you have developed for yourself. Like the example I shared about my own ideal networking, you have one that is built for you as well. Take some time to reflect on what makes your personal brand of athletic training unique and how you can strengthen your network within those areas. Perhaps you're an industrial athletic trainer, so it makes sense for you to learn about OSHA standards or make friends with the, commu- with the company risk manager. Or maybe you're a sales athletic trainer, so it makes sense for you to network with others who are in the area of where you need to sell. Perhaps that is clinics or colleges. Whatever it is for you, determine where your focus should be and hone in on that. Going back to critical thinking, recall how to speak openly, consider various solutions, and how to work on yourself first, and then build positive internal dialogue. And lastly, negotiation. Recognize that this is just another conversation, another person on the other side of the table. Listen, let them talk, and find ways to be mutually beneficial to others. With us being such a small profession, it's crucial that we see the value in each other. You might feel like the AT from the local professional sports team is so far beyond you, but that's just not true. Maybe you have the same alma mater or mentor, or maybe you don't, but the setting he or she works in is no more important or valuable than the one that you do. Don't knock yourself down thinking that you're just some lowly athletic trainer who this person could see no worth in. What each one of us does, personally and professionally, is precious. We all have a role to play. Recognizing that in yourself and in others helps to shrink down the idea of this place being a great big world and helps you grasp that we're all just doing the best we can. The next time you want to cut down or make a snarky comment about what someone else is doing, remember that they're a human being and they may very well be in your network. So again, what does that say about you? The more abundant we make our connections and the deeper we form our relationships, the quicker we will understand that we need each other in one way or another. Don't be so quick to judge. Don't be so quick to devalue yourself. And remember that we all have something to offer. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please share with a colleague. You can now log on to theadvantage.com slash CEU, take the quiz, and claim your free CEU. Also, if you're looking for other discussions on a topic similar to this, you can go back to season one where we discussed professional etiquette. And there's a lot about communication and how to properly communicate with others in there. Or if you're looking for a pretty provocative discussion on National Athletic Training Month and the purpose of Awareness Months, also go back to last season and listen to National Athletic Training Month. Thank you to Mr. Logistics for the music you've heard throughout.